This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome back to the Speaking in Church podcast. I'm Josie and I'm joined by my guest today who I'm really hoping I'm not going to fuck this up because I practice. We practice. <laughs> we, we are joined by Abby Oyedeji. Yes. Fuck yeah. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> it's exactly how it's spelled everybody, but I still, you know, when you start recording, you can fuck things up real easy. Abby, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to be here for sure. I'm excited. We're like two peas in a pod. We've already been talking about this. Yeah. I love it. But let's <laughs> let's start with your journey, your story. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, you know, like at the beginning, I, I have a lot of facets I could talk about, but I think what we're going to focus on today is kind of like the family dynamics of um, growing up as a missionary and pastor's kid um, being raised by a narcissistic father, you know, um, as a, you know, who obviously when you have narcissism and you have a pastor, you're going to get a spiritual abuser. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then kind of the fallout of the family dynamics, um, as, uh, we found out my dad was a pedophile. So spoiler alert, that's coming. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to talk about the follow a lot, <laughs> fallout from that. Um, Okay, so um, when I was two years old, um, my mom and my dad, we moved to Russia, and um, we were missionaries in Russia, specifically um, in Moscow and St. Petersburg. I lived there for my whole childhood, and um, that is something I definitely can go into more, but it, it gave me a lifetime of fuck-up trauma. I mean, yeah. Russia is immediately just like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, is it cold? And I'm like, yes. Is it cold? <laughs> like, obviously it's cold. <laughs> but <laughs> um, for the longest time, for the longest time, I thought it was a wonderful experience because that's what I was told to believe. Mm. They never talked about the things that we saw, dead people on the street or, you know, like people getting beat up. Um, you know, no, none of that was talked about or, um, helped me as a child process what we saw out on the streets, you know, it was not a safe place. You couldn't really talk freely if they found out you're American, you know, it just wasn't safe. Mm. Um, and so I didn't know I had PTSD until an incident happened at college and it triggered everything. And, um, you know, I still deal with that today. And I'm finally able to talk to my um, brothers. I've got two biological brothers. And um, it wasn't until I was in college that they kind of realized, you're right, you know, that was messed up. And I don't know how to feel about that. You know, um, 
but it but it wasn't talked about it wasn't you know brought down to my level and you know said how are you you know let's talk about what we just saw so I don't know they didn't know how to do that you know so I don't blame that blame them for that but um when I hear people going overseas on mission trips now I just have so much empathy for the children who are dragged into this um parents may not know what they're getting into, may not have the tools to psychologically help their children through culture shock, through um, seeing uh, a new culture just function differently than you're used to, especially if you're coming, you know, and you're already in your, in your teens or, you know. And a hostile culture at that. Very true. Yeah. If you have to do things underground, like we had to do in St. Petersburg, um, there's just a lot of fear. It's a lot of fear. And, um, you know, 9-11 happened while we were overseas and I didn't get all the information, but I knew that we were possibly in danger. And like, I just, you know, today I struggle with PTSD and, you know, I've got to check all of the um, all of the doors, you know, um, mm. being in movie theaters are very scary for me. Um, if I see one, someone who looks like a skinhead, you know, like freaks me out, takes me back. But yeah. anyway, that that's kind of like the the culture, the environment I was raised in that made me um, kind of who I am today. But fast forward to when we came back to the states in like I'm gonna butcher the time period, but I would. I was, I was still in grade school, so um, not yet in junior high yet, um, and we came back and lived in a few states, and I didn't understand why we were moving around so much. I just thought God called us, right? You know, our time is done here. God called us over here, and I didn't realize um, until I was an adult and started asking questions that my dad was um, creating a lot of enemies in the church and being unmasked for who he was and people were not putting up with that and we were kind of run out of the church I want to say run out but you know at least two three times and um, then we kind of settled down in Missouri um, central Missouri and um, it was a church you know that I thought was going to be our forever church and um, right off the bat, I would say within six months, he had already made a lot of people very angry, very upset with him about changing so many things and taking away responsibilities from people, um, just not being very empathetic about how they used to run things, you know, and like slowly transition to his vision. Um, he started, you know, firing people and um left and right (laughs) you know like well I can do this you know we don't need her and at the time you know I was just convinced he was doing things because God told him to um it was just like he had a bible verse for everything man I I said something like whenever I was in high school that I thought was supposed to be a compliment Mm -hmm but I never heard my dad's opinion. I only heard scripture. Mm. And he used that. 
to um, to manipulate people. <coughs> Sorry. He used that to manipulate people um, and to also like twist things, you know, to where like, well, God told me this. And like, who am I to go against something that, you know, supposedly God said? Um, and so he had his own agenda that I had no idea, you know, was going on behind the scenes. I was just like, one, he's my dad, you know, mm. and it was kind of taught um, in our family. I don't know if you can relate, but in my family, it was literally us against everyone. Like it was, con mm. it was constantly told to us, you know, like no one's going to understand you like us. No one's going to accept you like us. Um, ah, you heard what they said. That's so typical of them. You know, it was just very much this, it's us against the world. Mm -hmm. And he had like primed us kids to kind of be a barrier for him mm -hmm. you know um i don't know how else to put it but he was just it was just so ingrained in us that we the will of oh i shouldn't say that it was so ingrained in us that we um were god's soldiers in a way mm. You know, mm -hmm. and so like he even said, and I will never forget this. If you are not being persecuted in our church, then you are not doing something right. God, that's and fucked. <laughs> you think about that. You're like, oh, well, I have to get people upset and I have to make people uncomfortable because that's me following God. Like, where, where is that in the Bible? Yeah, within your own religion? I don't know about that. Yes. Within your own community. <laughs> mm -hmm. Within the people that are supposed to have your back, you know, it's just a constant us versus them mentality. And that played out in um, my school. Um, I was completely shunned and not talked to and ignored <clears throat> by a lot of kids in my school because of how my dad was acting. And, um, you know, these kids were just as much of of a victim as I was because um you know if your parents believe something it's very hard for you to not believe the same thing mm -hmm. so I know in their in their world <clears throat> in um their household I'm sure they were having discussions about how my dad was being manipulative and you know abusive and such so it makes sense why they would treat me different I mean it's not right but um I was really ostracized in high school for sure mm -hmm and um looked over not talked to um completely ignored when i asked them questions you know so his his um his actions really affected our whole family mm. our whole family it made us so ostracized from the community um we were never invited to do anything with with people because they were worried about the image of what that would look like. Um, it was just very a, lone, a lonely world, a lonely feeling. And when you're stuck in that bubble, it's hard to get input from other people. You know, that's all I knew. Mm. All I knew was that we were being persecuted. All I knew was that we were dying on our sword, like zealous peter you know to 
spread the word, you know, regardless of what was happening behind the scenes. And that was the um, mentality I had for my whole high school. I thought there was nothing I was doing wrong. You know, um, I wouldn't say I adopted narcissistic um, opinions, but I definitely projected a lot um, in high school for sure. Um, and it makes me wonder, makes me want to have conversations with people back in my high school, you know, of like, mm. of like, uh, I want to apologize. You know, I want to show them that I was in um, underneath the thumb of a spiritual narcissist mm. and I didn't know any better but now I do. And that's mm. why we're telling our story. Um, <laughs> amen, amen. Yep. Um, because man, I wish someone would have pulled me aside and been like, girl, you're, you can do better. You know, mm. do you, have you thought about a different uh, opinion or, you know, seen it from this side of, of things, you know? So, um, but that's okay because, because I had my own journey to make. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so that was kind of high school. Um, I went to college, um, at a very secluded private Christian college. And, um, you have to work for your tuition so you can get out technically debt-free. And that sounds amazing, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> But um, I can get into this at another time, but man, college was very difficult to be independent, mm -hmm. um, to be heard. I was sexually assaulted twice on campus. Oh my God. I was only there for a year and um, my, PT my PTSD came back then or showed, sorry, making sure it wasn't anyone. Yeah. Um, sorry. My PTSD started um, showing at that time and um, I went through the proper channels and it was completely ignored and pushed under the rug. I signed a legal paper that I would not talk to anyone about it. Oh my God. Uh-huh. <laughs> God. Well, fuck them because I'm talking about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that kind of, you know, that kind of woke me up to reality. Mm. Um, I was, I was really, really sheltered. I didn't know anything. And, um, that led me to getting pregnant. Um, the first time I had sex, by the way. Oh my God. Yeah. I knew nothing. I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what, what, um, contraceptive was. I never had the sex talk except seventh grade, you know, regular PE class, mm -hmm. you know, it was expected of me to be abstinent. Mm -hmm. um, it was required of me to wait for marriage. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. There was no, you know, you make your own decision. It was the law. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, people probably don't realize, but I signed a covenant with my father. Oh, God. And we had um, sexual purity rules. Mm. And all of these rules had Bible verses next to them. 
and I was never allowed to be with a boy alone ever, mm. even friends. Um, I remember one time I walked a guy to his car and my dad gave me this huge speech when I got back inside. How dare you? You know, while I'm watching, you're going to go behind my back. And I'm like, I walked him to his car. What the hell? And you're watching. <clears throat> yeah. Like what's going to happen? Um, um, there was even two people that I was very seriously wanting to date in high school that my dad scared away. Mm. Um, that I don't know the extent of the conversation, you know, but I know he made them feel small and made him them feel um, undesired, um, not worthy. And I know to some extent you want your dad to do that. But um, he had a lot of control over my sexual life. Um, I didn't get, I didn't kiss until that night. I had never kissed anyone, never had sex until that night. I decided, you know, screw it, get it out of the way. Mm. Did I know, you know, I was gonna, that was the moment I got pregnant. And um, that was very hard because um, once the school finds out you're pregnant, you will be kicked out. Mm -hmm. And my RA knew that I was pregnant because I was constantly sick, constantly tired. Um, I had, they kept sending me to the, to the doctor because I, I lost 30 pounds in two months. Oh my gosh. I was very, very, very sick, very sick. And they were, they're like, you're bulimic. And I'm like, no, I swear I'm not bulimic. And so my RA had made a suspicion and asked me, and um, I was very emotional about saying no. So I don't think I was very convincing at all. And she was very distant after that. And I know that she told people. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I could never come back. So um, I had to get out of school and move back home and um, start going to school here. And um, just a boasting moment, I finished college in three years. Um, Hell yeah. Work, working two to three jobs mm -hmm. um, as a single parent. And I finished that bitch. And That's I right. did. I graduated with my damn degree. And I'm so proud of myself for doing that. And, you know, screw College of the Ozarks, you know. Mm you guys did nothing but bring me trauma mm -hmm. and did not stand up for me at all. And um, so in, in spite of you, you know, like I did what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. But, um, but dur during that kind of like the family dynamics were a little strange. Um, the, my youth pastor's son um, told the whole school that um, I was pregnant and my brothers were being bullied oh. and, um, you know, being made fun of and, you know, they would get lewd, they would have lewd comments all the time to them. And um, I think because of that, they took a step back from me, you mm -hmm. know, because it's the golden child that fell to hell, <laughs> you know, yeah. and um, so they were not really supportive and I don't blame them for that. Don't think they really know how to navigate that but i also know that 
my father was very negative about the whole situation. Um, I never felt accepted. Um, I never felt loved during this time period. Um, I felt controlled. Um, as soon as I told my mom that I was pregnant, girl, for two whole days, she sat in her chair in her robe and cried. Oh my God. Two Drama. whole days. Two whole days. And she yelled at me. She was cursing at me. She was, you know, demanding that I tell her who it was, demanding his address, demanding his name, demanding all of these things, taking my phone away. Um, I was, I was 19 at this time and, um, just a wreck, Mm. a a wreck. And, you know, she's apologized since then. And I, I believe in her apology, but, um, that was a traumatic event. Um, just feeling, I don't know, like, like this was the moment that I probably would have gotten kicked out of my house forever, Mm -hmm. you know, um, she brought my brothers up and she yelled at me and demanded that I tell them like they deserve to know, you know, and, you know, after I told them like, this is why you don't have sex. This is why you don't do this. This is why, you know, like using me as an example, um, poorly done, Mm -hmm. um, and just gave me so much shame and reiterated that I can never trust them or tell them anything, mm-hmm. you know, this is how they act. You know, how can I be honest and open with them? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that is um, definitely a staple in religious households is they have the standard and there's no room to budge. And so kids feel like they can't go to them for anything. You know, you wonder why your kids are sneaky you know, you are literally controlling every part of their life. There is no option for independent thought. You know, um, there's no room for grace and they preach grace all the time. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to it, when their own family members are suffering and hurting and going through real life situations, um, there's no grace. Mm. And when they tell the story, they forget all those parts. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, look at my my daughter. She kept her baby and she, you know, she is this wonderful person. She's a single mom. I'm so proud of her. And I'm like, when? <laughs> proud of me what? You know, what about that moment that could have meant so much to me? Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I've moved past it, but um and forgiven but um I definitely felt so alone mm. so alone in that time period and um my parents and I were not close during this time um at all mm. <laughs> I refused to live with them in the beginning um I lived with family members they were doing construction on their house anyway so it worked out well um no girl when I moved back in Mm. they apparently someone told someone told someone that I um was with a certain individual at this time my long-term I was a long-term partner Mm -hmm. and they found out and 
found out a couple other things, but the gist of it is they were so upset with me. You know, they took my phone, my car, my computer, my keys. Mm. I was 20 at this. No, not yet 20. Um, and told me if I continue this behavior, sexual behavior, then um, they were going to take my baby too. Mm. And <laughs> yeah, that's possible. Yeah. And they're like, because of your sexual activity, um, you're not a fit mom. And um, once again, very traumatizing. Mm. You know, um, I thought I was so filled with shame and guilt. And it still affects me today um, in my sexual experience, even with my husband. Um, mm you know, that shame never goes away. And I feel guilty for, for my desires, you know? Um, so not just because of purity culture, but also the after, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so anyway, I gave birth. I lived with my parents for about, um, about four months until I couldn't do any longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, they would not give me my computer except to do homework. Um, they only gave my, me my phone when I went to school. And for about two months, my mom went to school with me. Oh, my God. Yes. And she waited in the lobby. Oh, my God. Yeah. True story. <laughs> she, she, will, she will tell you that it was to breastfeed, you know, to hold the baby so I could breastfeed during breaks. Yes. Yes, for a little bit. Yes, that was true. But that was not the um, full motive. <laughs> yeah, why didn't you take care of the baby at home? Uh-huh. So, <laughs> anyway, it's just it's just a lot of things that are left out when you don't tell the whole story. But mm. I, I'm sure they could say the same about me. You know, maybe I leave stuff out when I talk about my side. But it's very convenient. Um, yeah, the abuser's side is hardly relevant, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure, um, especially when there's a pattern, mm -hmm. there, a, a pattern of abuse. It's just like, how many, how many times am I wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, is is everything I say wrong? Is everything I say? That's not exactly how I saw it happened. Mm -hmm. You know, or I was recently told, um, our stories don't align. How you view it is not how I view it. And I'm like gaslighting yeah welcome to that world you know <laughs> mm -hmm. um but but yeah so that time was that time was pretty rough um I would say I had a very um contractual relationship with my family um they would watch my daughter from time to time I would watch um their children from time to time you know do things for them and such so it was very contractual. It was less of a relationship. Mm -hmm. um, I was very hurt. And I don't think they knew how to treat, treat me. Mm -hmm. Behind the scenes, you know, they talked to their friends about how much they're proud of me and proud I chose pro-life. Um, but it wasn't really seen in real life, mm -hmm. you know, um, it was more convenient sake. Mm -hmm. Once again, I was being used as the perfect picture 
or how they wanted to spin the story. Mm-hmm. You know, um, fast forward um, 2018, the end of 2018, I got married. I finally found someone to who I, I loved and who took me away, uh, married a military man and moved away. And it was the best decision I ever made. Mm. Um, uh, two months after, um, two months after we were married, I had a feeling, you know, you get these feelings and I call my mom. I'm like, Hey, what's going on? And, um, she said, I just kicked your dad out of the house and the police are coming. Ooh. And I was like, what is going on? And um, long story short, because I um, this part of the story is not mine to tell. Mm. Um, my dad was caught abusing my younger sister, um, who is a minor and disabled. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to throw hands. Oh, me too. Yeah. Um, or has a disability. Let's let's say that. Um, and my my parents did adopt for uh, a sibling group of four. Mm-hmm. And so this was while I was in college. And so this is kind of like their new batch of kids. And um, anyway, he admitted it. Um, when she confronted him and so she kicked him out um god bless your mom the courage for that yeah it's very easy to you know because i mean she was being abused as well and she was like fuck this (laughs) yeah i mean i I mean man you know like to tell someone who literally controls every part of your life to leave Mm. in that moment you know like so much courage so you know like it makes you wonder what would you do in the situation you would always say of course I'd kick him out of course I'd kick him out but when you have years of brainwashing and years of codependency Mm -hmm. and being under the thumb of a narcissist this was amazing Mm -hmm. so props to mom um for choosing kids you know because some people don't choose kids over partners especially not biological ones which is an unfortunate reality yeah absolutely um anyway there was a lot of chaos um i made the decision to to call my brothers and my uncles because we didn't know where my father was at the time and he was acting very suicidal um classic narcissist I, I called a family friend because I was 14 hours away. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was freaking out. And once again, we were isolated. So we didn't have friends really in the area. Mm-hmm. So it was like, this is so important that everyone needs to come now. Mm-hmm. And um, by the time I got there, he finally called me back. And he was apologizing and saying, I can't kill myself because, you know, um, your mom won't get the life insurance. And, um, you know, when I got there, I immediately packed up everything and just went. Um, I met 
my brothers and uncle in a hotel and they were talking about, um, ah, he'll only get four years, you know, mm. four years tops. Yeah, we're looking at sentences and, <coughs> sorry, we're both struggling over here. I know. <laughs> um, they were looking at sentences and I didn't understand because I didn't get the full story. Mm-hmm. I was under the impression that something happened that was a misunderstanding. Mm. There was a misunderstanding going on and a usual mom reaction. That's how everyone was making me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to point out that my brothers did not rush to my mom's side. My brothers did not go see my mom. They went straight to my dad's hotel and stayed with them for two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would like to point that out to just not only show their responsibility, but also the amount of brainwashing mm-hmm. that had already been done prior to this moment. Mm-hmm. So the groundwork, the foundation had already started um, leading up to this moment. And it kind of plays out. Um he went to turn himself in and said the office was closed. And so he left his information. The office was closed. Yeah. When does a police office close? Like, please talk exactly. about that. That makes no sense. Um, he then moved to Oklahoma, leaving my mom with all the bills, mm. the house payment. Um, at the time, he was the only one working because my mom had two little ones she had to take care of. Mm-hmm. Um, he took money out of the account, um, basically just left her high and dry, mm-hmm. like um, a guilty man would. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to pick up the pieces with my mom. I was the one that was there for her and um, trying to put her back together and take care of everyone else and... Um, my brothers and I had like a little powwow like on day four or something when they finally showed up and um, I made the comment you know sometimes it's okay if if reunification and keeping the marriage together isn't the end goal Mm -hmm. and I was met with so much hate and venom of even going there you know being told you know, a wife makes a commitment to her husband. Not to a pedophile. <laughs> they didn't know, they didn't really understand what's going on either. But it was obvious they were repeating what they were being mm-hmm. told. It was very much like, I knew that they were being told this because that wasn't their vocabulary. That wasn't how they were talking. You know, like, so it's very obvious to me to see like, that's not your words. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think like that. You wouldn't say that. Um. Let me get some drink. (laughs) Um, Anyway, that started years of being on opposite side of the story. Um, I had to go back to Texas 
and um, my mom had to sell everything. Mm. Um, she had to figure out where she was going to go because dad made it very clear that he's not coming back unless she, t- she took him back. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, a lot of things went down. Um, but my brothers went to see my dad all the time. Um, they went on a massive vacation together and bought, you know, went to this crazy hotel. I don't even know if it's a hotel. I don't know all the details, but they went to Florida and went sightseeing and like spent a lot of money and all this is going on. And he has a warrant out for his arrest. Mm-hmm. Both of course he goes knew. to Florida. <laughs> yeah. Both brothers knew, um, and he knew that he had a warrant out for his arrest. Um, There was so much that he was um, being charged with. I want to say at least nine things he was charged with. Mm. During this time, um, another family member came forward, said... Some things happened. Um, my, I asked my dad through a text, did you do anything to my daughter? And he said he treated me, my daughter, and my other sister the same. But my other sister had come forward. And so I'm like, so something happened is mm. what you're telling me. Something happened is what you're telling me. And... Um, that is something that I will not think about or dig up because my daughter was too young at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not something I want to dwell on because I'll never get answers. Mm-hmm. But I started doing some very intense therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was having extreme nightmares about certain time periods in my life. Um, I started doing hypnosis therapy. Um, I started... Um, seeing two therapists at the same time. And I started uncovering and piecing memories of mine that have been dormant for years. Mm. And it was like the information was like the key to these memories I never knew I had. Mm -hmm. And I have at least three different memories um, of my dad sexually abusing me Mm. and um by the time that I pieced that all together um I submitted it to the judge at the time and they did not use that in court um I'm sure it probably looked very convenient Mm -hmm. um there were other people that came forward that said the same thing Mm. dating 30 years in the past Maybe Mm -mm -mm. even longer, 40 years in the past. Yeah. Um, I know that there is more people out there. Mm -hmm. I know because this is what a predator does. Um, They perfect Mm -hmm. and they, and they try boundaries and they see how far they can get away with. Um, It is scientifically proven that sexual predators have at least four victims. Mm -hmm. You know, so I know there's some. Um, my heart aches for them. 
because that is not fair um, at all. Um, I, I wrote my dad a letter because he was trying to get me on his side all the time. And um, I wrote him a letter telling him, um, this is what I need from you if you want a relationship. You need to come forward and turn yourself in. You need to be a man and a husband and go support your wife and your children. Um, you need to financially support them at least. You're not sending them anything. You just walked away from everyone. And, um, and a couple other things, but I did insinuate that I didn't know what he did to me. I didn't have all the information at the time because mm -hmm. I was still piecing it together, but I kind of insinuated. And I sent him the letter. Um, and then he asked me a couple weeks later, hey, you should come over for Easter. Um, your brothers are going to be here. You know, I bought your brother a new truck and I have a camera I was trying to give you. I'm like, what the hell? Like, you're trying to buy my allegiance? With your brother's <laughs> money? <laughs> yeah, it's not even your money. And um, I was like, did you read the letter? And he said, yes. And I'm like, what'd you think? And he's like, how dare you judge me from your throne? <laughs> you know, like the only person who can judge me is God. And me and God, you know, like we've always been close. There's nothing I did wrong. Um, this is a whole misunderstanding. You know, your mother is such a reactive person. She has a vendetta against me. And now I can see you do too. Mm. And it was just like, it was like, uh, he even said like, I don't answer to men. I answer to God. You know, putting so many scripture as much as possible you know, um, it's just, it was classic, it was classic narcissist behavior to deny, but also use a control method. And his mm -hmm. was definitely spiritual. Um, that's why I say that my dad was a um, spiritual narcissist. Mm -hmm. That was his avenue of control. Um, so after that, I said, I'm sorry to hear that, but you will no longer be in a relationship with me. Mm -hmm. I said, you will never see your, sh your grandchildren again. I was like, until you fix things, we do not have a relationship. Um, after that, talking to um, one of my brothers, he had a personal agenda to discredit me and... Um, any chance he got, um, just using me as an example of um, a seductress, you know, someone who um, doesn't tell the truth. Mm. Um, so this is the information my brothers were being fed, mm -hmm. and I understand why they stood away for so long. However, they were adults at this time. Yeah, and there's, there's no, very little excuse. There's no excuse for not trying to find information. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a um, conversation with my brother, my oldest brother, um, because the, 
shoot, I forgot what it's called, but the children's division mm-hmm. of investigation, or I don't know, I don't know the correct term, finally came out with a fire report about what happened, evidence to back it up, and charges as consequences. Amazing report. I was so excited. I'm like, this is the time. This is the time where my brothers are going to see. They're going to mm-hmm. see from a third party source that mom and I are not just spewing hate. You know, we ha- this is not a, an agenda source. You know, like this is factual. My brother was not interested in viewing it. Um, he stated that um, that the only goal is reunification of the family. And, you know, how can we come together back as a family? You know, my sister needs to um, forgive. And the best way to do that is to live together. And I, I was just like, that is so fucked. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh no. Yeah. And I he was spewing off um scripture as well and um shaming me from sitting over there and having a different opinion. Not even opinion, but like factual opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, and um he said a lot of things about my mom and how it was her fault and she there was problems with the marriage and so it was um it was probably you know she's looking for a way out I'm like a way out this is so fucking public mm-hmm. like everyone in our community kind of knew about it and um I'm actually living back in that community because my my husband is stationed here and I tell you what, it is so hard mm-hmm. because I go to Walmart and I see people and I know they know this story. And I wonder sometimes, what do they think of me? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's hard not to associate with my dad, um, even though I didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell myself that, but sometimes emotionally, it feels like I'm still connected mm-hmm. to his actions. And so it's really hard being here. Um, I can't wait to leave (laughs) and not be reminded. Um, But I I think how this kind of ended, kind of wrapping everything up, is um, he pled guilty to a lesser charge. You know how it is. Mm. Um, He was getting seven years, or was it 14 and seven out in seven? That that sounds right, yeah. Yeah. Good behavior, you could be out in seven. Mm-hmm. Um, he had two or three life sentences on um, that he was charged with. Mm-hmm. So he should have gone away for for his whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the consecutive sentences, uh, so there was at least three or four life sentences that he could have gotten. Mm-hmm. That, that's how very serious these um, charges were. Um, only on one person, you know, because they didn't, they didn't take all these other statements into account. Mm -hmm. The people that came forward, you know, it was only on one person. Um, So I went to the trial, I flew 
to the trial to see him for the last time plead guilty to something he swore up and down that he had nothing to do with and he probably still swears oh well in hell yeah but he it was so freeing Mm. to know that he was forced to say he did something he swore he didn't do Mm -hmm. and forced to say you know like because the judge says do you understand what these charges are do you understand what you're saying you're pleading guilty to do you understand that you are under oath Mm -hmm. you know so they're making sure that you know what you're pleading guilty to Mm -hmm. like you cannot convince me otherwise (laughs) you know like like I'm just he 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 even said when he was in prison you know I just did it because they were going to send me away for life and I knew you know I had to plead lesser so I could get out and see you guys you know like shut up like Mm-hmm. just a little rat you know um but he was in there for um three months two months he was in there for two months he got covid um there was complications he was put on a um, respirator ventilator and he died well shit (laughs) so um god got the last say oh truly i mean that's all i gotta say um i feel so free i don't have to worry about counting down when is his next parole meeting you don't have to worry about your kid i don't have to worry that he's gonna show up Mm -hmm. um and fuck with me because that's what he would do Mm -hmm. um i don't have to worry about looking over my shoulder and um, wondering, did I see his car, you know? Mm. Um, Cause he's kind of the fuck, fuck with you kind of person mm-hmm. and in a very passive aggressive way. I don't have to worry about that, you mm. know? Um, I, I feel so free. Mm. I know that is not a lot of people's end story and they have to deal with their abusers still being out in the world. Mm. Some are not um, convicted. Some are not held accountable. And I know my story is not usual, but I feel for those, you know, that do still have to see their abuser day to day or still have to put up with them. Um, But you can secretly hope God takes care of them too. Amen. Amen. (laughs) I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Hell no. That is the comfort that the Lord has given us. (laughs) You deal with it. (laughs) Whatever gives you peace. I mean, you got to get through it somehow. (laughs) Yeah. Amen. Oh my gosh. Your poor life. I feel so (laughs) much empathy. Oh gosh. And it's just like a testament to how fucked up the patriarchy is to be able to bolster oh, yeah. these narcissists <laughs> and their victims into just believing whatever these fucking people say. 100%. Oh my gosh, no, hell no. For 100%. um 
those who may be wondering whether they have a narcissistic parent, I did pull up some of the hallmarks. Um, of so we'll, let's just go through a few because um, we the two of us are definitely not the only ones that deal with narcissistic parents. So classic have an unrealist unreasonably high sense of self-importance and require constant excessive admiration mm, yes um feel that they deserve privileges and special treatment oh yeah mm-hmm. expect to be recognized as superior even without achievements <laughs> yeah um be preoccupied with fantasies about success power brilliance beauty or the perfect mate uh be critical of and look down on people they feel are not important which is literally everybody else in the world oh my gosh everyone yeah everyone. and there's a whole lot more but the one i'll add is have no empathy feel no empathy mm. are never wrong never apologize and lastly take advantage of others to get what they want as we see in your situation <sighs> That is such, so true. And I will say, I think my dad was a, a quiet narcissist. Mm -hmm. um, he was very much an introvert. So sometimes when we look at narcissists, we think they're this bolstering, um, confident person who goes around saying, worship my feet, right? You know, they come in all different sizes. Mm -hmm. And at least in my case, my dad used his intro introvert um, personality to kind of sneak his way in and create this environment where he was the sole person who had control um, over everything in your life um, and even creating a, an environment that um, he dictated he wanted mm -hmm. to be true you know everyone else you know like going back to like the us versus them mentality mm -hmm. um so yeah it can you know narcissists can come in all shapes and sizes and different personalities and um i think i think i looked at like i think it's like three or four hallmarks you know mm -hmm. then then they have it mm -hmm. <laughs> so i mean even if they don't have all of it it's okay <laughs> and unfortunately there are a lot more common than i had th i used to think that narcissism was just like oh my gosh kind of, kind of like psychopathy but yeah. it's 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 way too common yeah totally yeah i i would bet that everyone knows a nar narcissist a hundred percent a hundred percent and uh it's just and there's like nothing you can do about it which is <laughs> a big fat bummer no. but but i tell you what um, the way to fuck with a narcissist is to be yourself authentically mm -hmm. because they cannot control who you are and who you become. Mm -hmm. And that is so powered and empowering to be yourself in the midst of them because they can't control you anymore. And it's so freeing to, you know, sometimes you can't stand up to them face to face because it causes a scene or an explosion or um, causes problems and that's okay but continuing and pursuing you and making yourself happy and doing what you want is a great way to stand up against narcissists amen um as a as a rebe as a rebel i think that rebellion <laughs> is oh it's so sweet it's so sweet it's hard but it's oh it's so satisfying for sure i i am a rebel 
through and through and mm-hmm. it started started with a big old fuck you dad and I, I got a nose piercing recently and that was my last fuck you dad. So. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was my um I tried to explain that to my mom. It didn't really go well. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean... um yeah, she's like, why did you get it? I'm like, well I wanted it my whole life and now I can have it. So yeah. fuck you dad. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing your story. This has been a great example of how religion is a safe haven for terrible people and that we should always keep our eyes out for them and always call them out on their bullshit absolutely because the worst can happen and even if the worst does happen we can still hold them accountable yeah abusers hate accountability because it brings mm-hmm. to life the things that they were doing wrong mm-hmm. and there can be hope there can always be hope yeah, for sure that the fucker will get covid and die in jail <laughs> A little niche probably a little you know specific timeline wise but specific but um shoot me a message and i will be praying for that yeah yeah another global pandemic but like only affect being abusers yeah i like it me too <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking like how can i um evil villain genius you know the pedophile plague <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling you i'd be a great vigilante mm-hmm. i really would I can spot him a lot, a mile away. Amen. And in a restaurant, I'm like, he's abusing her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can tell. It's a, it's a superpower for sure. Oh my gosh. Well, do you have anything to plug or any last thoughts? Um, you can follow me at Abby Joy, um, A B I J O Y underscore, and I'm trying to be a little bit more active on it. Um, this is my first time ever. Um, telling my story from my point of view um, and be kind <laughs> so or um, else because I'm an Enneagram 8 and I woo, I'm relentless <laughs> <laughs> I hear you um, but I, I hope this reaches someone to know mm-hmm. that you know you're not alone um, whatever you're dealing with and if you do feel alone please reach out and um i can connect you you know you can connect people to resources and Mm -hmm. information if you think you're dealing with a narcissist as well Mm -hmm. so so yeah we got you people we got you Mm -hmm. as always you can find speaking in church at speaking in church on instagram you can find me at josie takes the world all i do on my personal page is crochet and talk about my dog so (laughs) that's that (laughs) think we'd be great friends yes i agree (laughs) we are friends we are friends i love it um all right friends uh as always stay woke or get woke bye this has been an irreverent media podcast